Ragbag presents I Like the Sound, a celebration of the sound of things. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. A celebration of the sound of things. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. I like the sound of water. I like the sound of a trickle, a sprinkle, a stream, a torrent, a wave, a drip, a splash, a splatter, a ripple. I like the sound of water boiling. I like the sound of water falling. I like the sound of echoes bouncing off the surface of a still pool. Let's hear from Neo Geo. One of my favorite of all sounds is simply just pouring water into a glass. There's something really serene about it. it makes me just calm and thirsty even, which is good. One of my really, 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 truly favorite sounds, and perhaps in my personal top three if I had to make one, is simply the sound of waves washing ashore. If you're on a quiet beach somewhere, perhaps in the evening or in the morning, and you're just sitting there listening to the water washing in. I don't think there's any other experience I personally can have that brings me to such a feeling where everything is just okay and you start to see patterns in the waves. You start to see meaning in there almost. And it's strange because you feel like a madman just sitting there looking at waves and finding meaning in them. But there's something so reassuring how they always just come in again and again. And the washing of the bubbles and the, um, what do you call it, the mixing of the water, when it, the foaming of the water. It's uh, magical, I think. Let's hear from Chris Christodoulou. One of my favorite sounds is just the, the general sound of the sea and, uh, and like waves, being at the beach uh, is, is very dear to me just because every summer I, I try to, to, to be for a few days or like a week or two or what, how, however t- much time I can you know, escape from work. Uh, to be somewhere that there's a sea in the in the beach and try to swim and uh, sit there and read, so this is a kind of a very pleasant sound ever since uh, childhood, and I kind of still keep at it. And and in fact, it's a weird. It's not exactly a sound, but it's. Um, I really love the sound of things when I'm underwater, like if you dive then this, this filtering happens and this kind of serenity. And then you don't, you don't really listen to any particular sound. Maybe if there's a really loud voice might come through the, 
you know the the surface of the ocean or the 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 sea but um, otherwise you kind of this kind of um, like filter uh, low pass pink noise or something you know the kind of really a, a, a random ramble and you can you know if you if you're swimming during that time you can sort of hear the bubbles and your and your, and your hands and feet uh, or your um, you, you might exhale uh, some breath and that you know also creates some bubbles and stuff so this is kind of a a filtered sound that is it, it is a sound to me this kind of uh, you know sensation that you're underwater and you're listening to things very differently or and also has to do with iso isolation i think well it's a different world isn't it i yes exactly you nailed it it's a different world and and i really love it just uh i i, I often say that you know if i could be an underwater being like a, a Lovecraftian deep one or something. I would definitely go for it because it's just, uh, just this, this sense of underwater, uh, this sonic world that exists there. It just fascinates me. And I feel very calm there. This is from an APS Physics article written by Philip Ball. It's called... What makes a droplet splash? When a liquid drop hits a solid surface, like a raindrop hitting a pavement, it may flatten and spread smoothly, or it may produce a ragged edged splash. But researchers don't know which factors determine the result. Now a team in Spain says that the gas surrounding the droplet appears to be crucial to whether it splashes or not. They performed experiments with a range of liquids and worked out an equation that predicts the minimum velocity for a droplet to splash, depending on its size and the properties of the surrounding atmosphere. The results may lead to better understanding of systems such as inkjets and dispersal of pesticides and plant infections. Industrial problems such as inkjet printing and coating of surfaces require a deep understanding of the impact of drops on solids. For example, researchers would like to know whether or not such impacts will produce a splash. It's been long known that faster moving drops fragment more readily than slower moving ones and that other important factors include the drop size, liquid viscosity and strength of the surface tension. But Guillaume Ribo and Jose Manuel Gordillo of the University of Seville in Spain argue that these aspects of the problem haven't been properly assembled before. Godillo says that through a combination of experiment and theoretical analysis they have been able to put all the pieces of a very complex puzzle together including the ambient gas properties which haven't been properly accounted for previously. Using high-speed cameras, Rebo and Godillo filmed droplets of eight different liquids varying in density, surface tension and viscosity as they fell onto a solid surface at various speeds. They saw that on impact the liquid begins to spread out laterally over the surface in a sheet just a few tens of micrometers thick. The next step depends on the specific liquid surface interaction. For liquids that would ordinarily bead up rather than spread out on a surface, 
a thin layer of air intervenes below this spreading edge of the liquid sheet, so the liquid lifts off the surface. Then, as the sheet rapidly advances, it experiences aerodynamic lift, like an aeroplane wing. In some cases, this rise is only temporary. The sheet touches down again and spreads smoothly with no splash. But in other cases, the sheet continues to rise higher. Surface tension then creates a well-known instability in the edge of the sheet, which generates corrugations that grow to create a ragged splash and eject tiny drops. This is essentially the same instability that causes a thin stream of water from a faucet to fragment into drops. The ambient air determines whether there is a sustained takeoff, the team found. Classically, if it worked like an aeroplane wing, the lift force would depend on the air density and the speed of the sheet. But the researchers found that, at these tiny scales, two other factors come into play. The viscosity of the gas and the so-called mean free path of the gas molecules. How far they travel, on average, before colliding with another molecule. This distance, which is around 65 nanometers for ambient air, determines the velocity of the gas flow very close to the solid surface, which in turn affects the upward force of the underside of the liquid sheet. The effect of the mean free path is usually negligible, but in the microscopically tiny gap between the liquid sheet and the solid surface, it becomes appreciable. This is a very nice piece of work, says Bruno Andriotti of the University of Paris Diderot. It's typical of the physics of complexity in that the ideas are not universally new, but their combination to predict the splashing threshold is a demanding problem. He says that the novelty results from the proper introduction of the gas properties and specifically the unexpected role of the mean free path of the gas. A formula that predicts whether splashing will occur could help to make inkjet printing accurate and smooth, says Andriotti. Gordillo suggests the work could also help in reducing the spread of plant infections because it could allow researchers to calculate the minimum plant spacing needed to avoid bacterial transfer, resulting from raindrop splashes. Knowledge of the drop-splashing threshold could also help criminal forensic scientists estimate the height from which blood drops fell, Ribot says. Let's hear from Colour. When I was a kid, I had swimming lessons at the local municipal pool. It was really, really fun for me to try to communicate. I'd go underwater with friends and we'd try to like talk to each other and see if we could, you know, based on a combination of looking at the mouth, right? Lip reading, underwater lip reading and whatever noise was coming out, try to like, try to like decode that, you know, it was always pretty difficult. You can hear something though, can't you? When when you yeah. um, well, you try and shout at each other under the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We would just be yelling. <laughs> we just yell as loud as we could at each other, and I'd be like, ah, it was hard. It was hard to understand, even with yeah. the lip reading, because you're shouting, right? So, well, it's an interesting thing that you brought up with the swimming pools because there's there's a sound from my childhood which I I used to hear it again and again and again whenever I went outside the uh, the local a swimming pool and I've never I've kind of never heard it since childhood and it's kind of like the sound of the swimming pool which is full of people and in particular full of kids kind of screaming mm -hmm. and uh, the echo that that would make 
from kind of against the water and within this big kind of old building that it was in. And the sounds from the pool were kind of echo outside mm. and you could hear kind of this kind of, um, it sounded almost like um, distant screams. It was kind of almost like you could hear people being tortured. <laughs> Let's hear from Georgia Train. Kids in the swimming pool and just that echo, just that reverb that you get in a swimming pool that you, you don't get anywhere else. Um, just the, the sound of, of wetness. Do you know what I mean? So just, you know, and just that kind of um, kids and, and, and that sort of constant rumble. You can't really hear anything. Um, and yet your voices are all traveling so far through this through this reverb. It's a really recognizable sound. I mean, instantly, if you put that on in the background, people would recognize, oh, that's an indoor pool, you know. Every single time I used to go to that swimming pool, I used to hear that noise from the outside. I, I, I really liked it, guys. It, I remember standing there in the street listening to it and going kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. And because it was such an unusual noise. I've, I've not heard it since then. It's kind of, uh, you know, about 30 years ago. And um, whenever I go to a swimming pool now, I don't hear these things from the outside. It's just kind of, you don't hear anything from the outside. I wonder if they've changed like architecture or something or like put up a fence or who knows. Yeah, I, th I think it was because it was such an old building that, that the swimming pool was in. And, um, you know, maybe it probably wasn't safe, but oh, maybe the roof would have caved in at any point. You know? <laughs> there, there used to be two things. The first is those are probably late reflections of whatever is being sound. So like it's probably like, the third like the tertiary reflection or whatever you know of the sound bouncing off of something bouncing off something so you're just hearing these like echoes right like almost like these faint echoes of what someone might be speaking and then they all all the sounds combine and convolve and then they you know and then they all then you hear it back as some like late reflections of just these like you know ghosts of what the of what was originally this you know there and then the second one is like how amazing sonic memories can imprint on you. And it's tough to like recall some of that stuff sometimes. Like when you hear old sound or you hear something like that or noise you haven't heard in a while or certain types of things, just like all of a sudden you just get like flooded with these like feelings, the emotions and memories and all these things. And it's really powerful. I think as an adult, I've only ever been swimming in, in hotels and maybe outdoor pools if I'm abroad or something, but it's not the same. It's not the same vibe that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that real municipal swimming pool, you know, it's kids' swimming lessons going on, you know, um, screams and followed by splashes. Just don't get that in a in an adult hotel swimming pool. Hotel swimming pools are great because quite often you can get down there and you'll be like alone in, yeah. the, in the pool and there'll, there'll be no kind of attendance there or anything like that so it's just you in this pool 
and um, yeah, there's a great kind of uh, ambience in those places. That's amazing. I feel extremely silent in a place like that because almost anything, any move that you make is, is amplified by the space. So I feel very alone very quickly. Yeah, yeah. But you get the sound of the water in there as well and water's always a, you know, a comforting thing as well. Unless it's rushing out of a boiler in, in the corner of your bedroom, like I had the other day. Um, so, yeah, I, that's a sound that I never want to hear again. That fast, high-pressure um, water escaping from one of the pipes in my boiler um, and just flooding all over the floor. So it can be a pretty aggressive one as well. Neo Geo again. Well, um, one other one I wrote down is simply... Um Throwing large rocks into water, like hearing that splash, like boof, and all the little droplets fizzing down on the surface for a few seconds after. But first, a deep plunge, like boom, we can really have a base to it if it's a big enough rock. That's deeply satisfying as well. If you're at a rocky beach and and you pick up a large rock from the water underneath and just drop it ahead of you, and then it splashes in and creates this beautiful wave all around it. It's a powerful thing as well, and it's just fun with water, which makes it that much more beautiful, I think. And I think it's a visceral as well, as well. <laughs> as a visceral, um, in the sense that it's almost an extension of your body when you do it. I like the sound of water. I like the sound of words associated with water. Humidify. Evaporate. Submerge, moisturize, drizzle, bedraggle, douse, bathe, swamp, irrigate, mist. Just picking up the fire 
back of my trunk is for a twenty dollar bill. I put a U lock on the fence at the bottom of the hill, and I'm going out in the morning light like a California seal. I'm going out in the morning light like a California seal. I Like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. A complete list of source material can be found in the show notes. That song you just heard was Scorpio Rising by Herman Dew. It's from the latest album, Notes from Vinegar Hill, which is a masterpiece. I've been fortunate enough to have interviewed David Ivar from Herman Dew a couple of times for my other podcast, Ragbag. David will also be contributing some more to I Like the Sound very soon. Listen out for that. Many thanks to this week's other contributors, Neo Dio, Chris Christodoulou, Georgia Train and Colour. All great musicians. Links to their music are in the show notes for your investigation, discovery and delight. My website is frankburton.co.uk. My new novel, Getting Away With It, is out now and it's brilliant. The audiobook version is on Bandcamp, currently set to name your price. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Please do share the show around. Give us a rating and review. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.